the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Hope Lives 365, Pastor Mark Finley talks about the prophet Daniel, who, even as a young man, chose to honor God in all things. Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. In other words, Daniel decided. He made a decision deep within the citadel of his being. He made a decision deep inside that he was going to serve God. Every single one of us are faced from time to time with that decision. You have to purpose in your heart of what you're going to do. You know, it's astounding to think that the prophet Daniel was just a teenager when he was marched from his home in Jerusalem, never to be seen by his mother or father again. And while being paraded in the splendor of Babylon, he hears the mocking of the people, ridiculing Jerusalem for being unable to stop them. And yet, though held in captivity, Daniel still trusts that God will set all things right. Today, we'll discover how those times when we seem to be in a holding pattern, waiting for God to act, and waiting for His prophetic symbols to be revealed. That's next on Hope Lives 365. Welcome back to Hope Lives 365 with our teacher, Pastor Mark Finley. Today, Pastor Mark continues a presentation that we began last time, sharing the question of when the prophecies of Daniel are going to be fulfilled. By the way, if you have to leave us early today and you want to hear this entire presentation, it is available online at hopelives365.com. Today on Hope Lives 365, Pastor Mark is shining light on why there is so much pain in our world today and what could be its purpose And he explains how God would allow the capture of a devout young man named Daniel, and thereby providing him with an education that was only possible in this place at this time to prepare him to fulfill God's future plans. And you know, he's doing that with us today, too. Here's Pastor Mark Findlay. Has anybody ever asked you this question? If God's so good, why is the world so bad? If if there is a God... You know, as I lecture in university campuses, that's one of the biggest questions. The question is, if there is a God, why are children starving to death in India? If there is a God, how could God be fair and let a baby be born HIV positive? And the answer to that question is threefold. Number one, what we see in our world is the outplay of a world that's in rebellion against God. The suffering in our world is the corporate result, not the individual result, but the corporate result of of a sinful world that we live in. That's the first answer. The second question is this. When you go through suffering and you're treated unfairly and unjustly, God is always there by your side. He is there to give you strength and courage. He has not left you alone. But the third answer to that question is this. We may suffer for a little while in this life, but God's going to set all things right. And that at the end of time, there'll be no sickness, suffering, heartache, or death. So the name Daniel, God of the justice and judgment. Now we begin with the first chapter of the book of Daniel. We need to go back to Daniel chapter 1, verse 1. Because in the first chapter of the book of Daniel, you have the introduction of the great controversy theme. Now, unless you understand the great controversy theme, you will not understand the Bible. 
that one theme is the mystery that unlocks the entire Bible. Once you understand that, things begin, all kind of lights begin to go on in your mind. If you understand this, that the teaching of the Bible is that God created a perfect world. He's in no way responsible for evil. But he gave to every one of his creatures the ability to choose. And Lucifer rebelled against God, a rebel angel rebelled against God, and that this world is in the middle of a controversy between good and evil. That when our first parents fell, they opened a door God wanted forever shut. And so you look at the Bible through the eyes of the great controversy. You look at the Bible through the eyes of a conflict between good and evil, between Christ and Satan. So when you look at the Bible through those eyes, you begin to understand it. Now, Daniel 1, verse 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Now, let's look at that text. You have two kings, Jehoiakim and Nebuchadnezzar. You have two cities, Jerusalem and Babylon. Jerusalem represented all that was right, all that was true. It represented goodness and greatness. It represented the people of God. It represented the truth of God. So Jerusalem is the city of righteousness, the city in which men and women worship the true God. Babylon is a city against the principles of God. It was filled with idolatry. So in the third year of Jehoiakim, what year was that? 605 B.C. At this time, Daniel was about 17 years old. Nebuchadnezzar attacks Jerusalem. He besieges it. Now, Nebuchadnezzar attacked Jerusalem three times. Here are your dates. 605 B.C., he attacks Jerusalem. 596, he attacks Jerusalem. 587, he attacks Jerusalem. The first time he attacks Jerusalem in 605, what he does is this. He takes Daniel captive with some captives and young men, brilliant, back to Babylon. Why does Nebuchadnezzar attack Jerusalem? Here's why. Babylon was one of the leading empires in the world. So Nebuchadnezzar comes north. He doesn't want to go across the desert here. He comes north to Carchemish. He battles at Carchemish and wins. The problem is that Jehoiakim signs a treaty with Egypt, and they form an alliance. And Nebuchadnezzar says, wait a minute. If you have Egypt and Israel together, that's going to go a threat. So he comes down, flexes his muscles, and he says, I'll show you how strong I am. Invades the temple at Jerusalem, takes the holy emblems out of that temple, the candlestick and so forth, takes them out of the temple, takes Daniel captive, takes a lot of young men captive, and as he does that, he hears on August 15, 605, he hears something. He hears his father has died. Nabopolassar is his father. And so he hears, dad has died. He knows that if his father has died, back in Babylon, what's going to happen? Somebody else is going to take the throne. Nebuchadnezzar says, I've got to get back there. He does something amazing. He takes a small army of bodyguards, and they go straight across the desert. They make it back home just in a very few weeks. Daniel, with the other group, goes the larger route around. It takes him two months to get back. In the first chapter of the first verse of Daniel, what spiritual lessons do you and I see? There's a controversy between good and evil. Evil triumphs over righteousness. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, the king of Israel, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, comes to Jerusalem and besieges it. In that third year, Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, the city of idolatry, the city of immorality, the city of wine, the city of lawlessness, overcomes Jerusalem. There are times that apparently right triumphs over wrong. But notice the next verse. 
It says, and the Lord. Now, the word for Lord there is Adonai. It's a key word. It means that God is still in control. So Nebuchadnezzar overthrows Jerusalem. But the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. So God is still in control. God allows this to happen. There are times that God allows events to happen that we may not see clearly. The Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with the articles of the house of God. Now, this is serious stuff. Because Nebuchadnezzar invades the temple at Jerusalem. He takes the golden candlestick that is to light the Shekinah glory of God. He takes out things like the bronze altar. He takes out the table where the showbread was on. And he carries them to the land of Shinar. Shinar is another name for Babylon, to the house of his God. The God of Nebuchadnezzar is Belmarduk. There are 13 gods. Belmarduk is the chief god. So what does Nebuchadnezzar do? He takes these holy implements that were in Israel's temple reflecting the Shekinah glory of the presence of God, and he puts them in a temple of a pagan god. Now the Bible goes on, and he brought the articles into the treasure house of his god. Now, verse 3, you'll see it there in your Bible if you're open to Daniel 1. Then the king instructed Aspenaz, the master of the eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel. Now, if you are taking notes or you're marking in your Bible, circle the word children and some of the king's descendants, and some of the nobles. Young men, again, circle young men, in whom there was no blemish. That is, no physical deformity. They had to be good-looking. They were the handsomest young men of all Israel. They were gifted in wisdom. Now, if they're gifted in wisdom, they cannot be children. Possessing knowledge can't be children. Quick to understand. The impression here is that they've learned something, that they're bright, they are, they're not... And you see where it says young men? The Hebrew language there is adolescence. That's a special Hebrew phrase that describes people between 15 and 18 years old. As clear as we can tell, Daniel was about 17 years old in 605. They were quick to understand. Who had ability to serve the king's palace, the royal court of the king, in whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. So here's the king's idea. I'll take the brightest and the best. I'll bring these teenagers over. I will educate them in the University of Babylon. Now, I'll educate them in the language of the Chaldeans. Chaldeans is another name for Babylon. What were the languages? They were Akkadian, they were Sumerian, and they were Aramaic. So, Arcadian was the language of the court. Sumerian was more of a common language. And uh, the Aramaic was a language of the scholarly community. So, he would teach them all three languages. What do we know about the University of Babylon? What do we know about the courses that were taught? We know quite a bit uh, from the ancient Babylonian records. We know that they knew math very well. They knew algebraic equations. They knew quantum physics. They were extremely bright. We knew from their building skills. They knew architecture. They were excellent builders. We knew that they explored the medical science. And so these were very brilliant scholars in uh, ancient Babylon. They understood philosophy. They knew astronomy. There were many Babylonian astronomers. They also were educated in the occult arts of Babylon. Daniel, of course, refused that, as we'll see later. So the, he chose Daniel. Why? One of the reasons he chose Daniel was this. Because they wanted to educate Daniel, change his mindset, and send him back as a puppet king to rule over Jerusalem in behalf of the Babylonian Empire. Pastor Mark Findlay on the plans of King Nebuchadnezzar II 
for young Daniel to groom him as his protege, but Daniel had other ideas. You're listening to Hope Lives 365. You know, the key to Daniel's perseverance during this time was his unshakable hope in the Almighty God, who sees beyond the gloom and the despair. Uh, Many don't possess such a positive trust in trying times, and when we lose hope, dark clouds hang over our heads. The future appears uncertain, but hope leads us from what is to what can be. Well, we have a small 64-page volume from Pastor Mark that encourages you to look up to the heavens for your source of hope. It's called Certainty in an Uncertain World, and in it, Mark confirms that we face troubles in this uncertain world. But then Mark launches uh, the reader into a journey of discovery about a loving God whose promises reveal hope for today, tomorrow, and forever. Ask for your copy of Certainty in an uncertain world. It's yours in return for a gift of any amount to this ministry this week. Just call 855-888-HOPE. That's 855-888-4673. Ask for certainty in an uncertain world. You can also give online at hopelives365.com. Coming up, Pastor Mark shares what it takes to honor God with your life, even as young Daniel did while he was in captivity being held by the Babylonians. Proverbs 4, verse 23. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. In the Bible, the heart is another word for the mind. In other words, keep your mind, for out of it spring the issues of life. Stay with us for more Hope Lives 365. Welcome back to Hope Lives 365. In a little while, I'll have details for you about a valuable resource that we want to place in your home. It's the red-letter edition of the King James Version World Heritage Reference Bible. It's black-bonded leather and has a lot of study helps from Pastor Mark Findlay. More details about that in just a little bit. Right now, Pastor Mark offers insights into the significance of names in the Bible, and specifically those of Daniel and his young companions, and the attempts of the pagan Babylonians to change their identities, thereby ending their faithfulness to the God of Israel. Now imagine you're Daniel. You're 17 years old. You're marched from your homeland, never to see your father again, never to see your mother again. You're alone. You're marched into the splendor, the opulence, the wealth of Babylon. Now from among those, the sons of Judah, were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. I can almost imagine Daniel being marched into Babylon. He marches through the Ishtar Gate. He sees the Temple of Belmarduk with the sun shining off it. He sees the luxury, the splendor of Babylon. He also hears the ridicule. If your God is so strong, why is Jerusalem in ruins? If your God is so strong, why do we have the vessels in the house of Belmarduk? And notice the names of Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. In the Bible, a name means something. You remember Saul was the persecutor, but Saul's name was changed from Saul to what? Paul. Remember Jacob. What does the name Jacob mean? Does anybody know? Supplanter or deceiver. But when Jacob wrestled with God, his name was changed from Jacob to what? Israel. So names in the Bible meant something. When you look at the four names mentioned in Daniel 1, 
It says in Daniel 1 verse 7, to them the chief of the unit gave names. He gave Daniel the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah Shadrach, to Mishael Meshach, and to Azariah Abednego. Why is it that he would change their names? The changing of names represents the changing of your identity. So for example, the name Daniel means God is my judge. In other words, God is going to set all things right. I'm a captive in Babylon, but God's going to set all things right. So his name is changed from Daniel to Belshazzar. The keeper of the hid treasures of Bel. Bel Marduk was the chief god. Remember we read in Daniel 1, verse 2 and 3, that the treasures were taken from the sacred temple at Jerusalem, and they were brought into the treasure house of the god of Babylon, Bel Marduk. So you can imagine the ridicule. Daniel, you're 17. Daniel, you've got a future. Daniel, forget about your past. Daniel, forget about your Jewishness. Daniel, you're in Babylon now. Forget about all that business. Daniel, look, you are going to be the keeper of the hid treasures of Baal. You're going to serve in the pagan temples. 17 years old, he faces that enormous test. Now, the name Hananiah means the Lord is gracious unto me. So can you imagine that? Hananiah's in captivity in Babylon. The Lord's gracious unto me. The Lord's gracious unto me. The Lord's good unto me. That will never do in Babylon. So his name is changed to Shadrach. It either means inspiration of the sun or worship of the sun, moon, and stars. It could also mean moon or sun, either one. The point is that he now has his name changed to that you get your inspiration from one of the pagan gods. Uh, Michel. The word Michel is the name Michael. It means godlike. To Meshach, that means servant of the goddess of Sheba, another one of the Babylonian gods. Then Azariah, the Hebrew name, the Lord's my helper. That's never going to do. So it's changed to Abednego, which means the servant of Nebo. So they changed the names of each of these Israelites into Babylonian names. Why? Because they wanted them to be shaped. They wanted their brains to be shaped. They wanted them to be totally immersed in the culture of Babylon. Young people were brainwashed to be sent back as puppet rulers. Now, the pressure to conform to Daniel was incredibly enormous. And we come to the key verse in Daniel chapter 1, and we find it there in Daniel 1 verse 8. Let's read it together. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies nor the wine which he drank. We go on and it says, therefore he requested the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. I'm interested in this expression, Daniel purposed in his heart. In other words, Daniel decided. He made a decision deep within the citadel of his being. He made a decision deep inside that he was going to serve God. Every single one of us are faced from time to time with that decision. You go to a party, and the wine is flowing like water. You have to purpose in your heart of what you're going to do. You, uh, you go to a, a Christmas party, and you're with a bunch of guys, and they're telling off-color jokes. You've got to decide what you're going to do. You are tempted to cheat on your taxes, and you've got to make a decision. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Every single one of us, every single day, are confronted with decisions in life, and it's the choices we make that determine our eternal destiny, that shape our minds, that shape our hearts. Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. In the Bible, the heart is another word for the mind. Another word for purposed is Daniel decided. 
he made a decision in the deepest recesses of his heart. You know, Proverbs 4, verse 23, read it with me, please. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. In other words, keep your mind, keep your mind, for out of it spring the issues of life. You remember that wonderful hymn writer, Isaac Watts. You know, Isaac Watts wrote a number of the major hymns of the Christian church. And Isaac Watts was just a small man, and I think he wrote 800 hymns or something. And Isaac Watts, one day there was a, a parade in London for his, in his honor. And Isaac Watts is sitting in this carriage, and a horse-drawn carriage is driving him along, and he's sitting in the carriage. And uh, all the, the uh, streets in London, Regency, Regent Street and so forth, are lined with thousands of people. And there's a lady sitting up in the balcony and she looks down and she's amazed. I mean, Isaac Watts now is this old, shriveled up old man, you know, and he's just so humble and his hands are crossed like this. And uh, she had sung those great hymns of the church, those majestic hymns. And she looks down and she kind of takes a deep breath and says, What? You're Isaac Watts? And he heard her. So he stands up to his five-foot-one frame, he stretches, and, you know, his mind just thought in poetry, and he said, Madam, could I in fancy grasp the poles or hold creation in my span? I'd still be measured by my mind, for the mind is the measure of a man. And it is, isn't it? And it's, it's what happens here. Um, this is who we are. You are not your physical being necessarily. Because what if you were in a car accident and you went through the windshield and your face was all scarred up and you're all crippled? Would you lose your personhood? Would you lose your identity? Not at all. Who are we? We are that which we are inside. We are, that what, the, we are the sum process of our thoughts. We are, we are that which we choose to be in our actions. And that's why scripture says, keep your mind with all diligence or out of it are the very issues of life. That's why Proverbs 23, verse 7 says, For as he thinks in his heart or mind, so what? Is he? As he thinks in his mind. How do we change our thought processes? We change our thought processes by putting in our mind that which is righteous and just and holy. We change our thought processes by filling our mind with the positive things in Scripture and the positive things in the Word of God. Pastor Mark Finley on what it takes to be truly righteous and holy in heart and mind. You're listening to Hope Lives 365. Pastor Mark is coming back in just a moment. But first, I want to mention something we said earlier, uh, a valuable resource uh, that we'd like to send to you as a way of thanking you for your significant gift to this ministry. I'm referring to the King James Version World Heritage Reference Bible. 106 pages of study helps by our own teacher, Pastor Mark Findlay. This beautiful block bonded leather Bible, red letter edition, includes a 123-page Bible concordance, a summary of the books of the Bibles, the parables and miracles in Scripture, and, and a lot more. And in return for your generous gift of $50 or more, request your copy of the King James Version World Heritage Reference Bible. Get in touch today, online, or by calling us. The web address is hopelives365.com. Or you can make your donation and request the book when you call us at 855-888-HOPE. That's toll-free, 855-888-HOPE. And remember, you can hear today's message in its entirety, in its unedited format, by going online to hopelives365.com. Under the radio archives, look for the title, Prophetic Symbols Revealed. The blessings of God come 
for those that make a decision in life to please Him. Have you personally in your own life made a decision, a very fundamental decision, that the goal of your life is to please God? In a few moments, Pastor Mark will close out today's program of Hope Lives 365. back with Hope Lives 365 and a final word from Pastor Mark on following the example of the young prophet Daniel who chose to follow the will of God. Here again is Mark Finley. Daniel places in his life this great desire that all he wants to do is serve God. He purposes in his heart that he's not going to defile himself. Have you personally in your own life made a decision, a very fundamental decision, that the goal of your life is to please God? Anything not in harmony with the will of God, you consciously choose not to do. You said, God, I'm not going to go down that pathway. The lesson of Daniel chapter 1 is that success in life, the blessings of God come for those that make a decision in life to please Him. Pastor Mark Finley closing out today's edition of Hope Lives 365. Join us next time. Pastor Mark brings us the third and final installment in his message, Prophetic Symbols revealed. That's on the next Hope Lives 365.